A big welcome to the Baltic Triangle podcast, where we hear from Merseyside's doers rather than the so-called movers and shakers. In other words, the people who really make this region tick. With me, Mick Ord. And me, Mark Reeson. Well, I've been out and about speaking to Garth Dallas, who's one of the key people behind the Good Business Festival, which, after a number of full starts because of the lockdown, really is taking place in Liverpool, in person, in March. Nowadays, consumers will look and make decisions as to which businesses they want to spend their money with based on the reputation of that company. So that's why you should be at the Good Business Festival to learn best practices and also to present your own best practice experience and share that with other businesses in your industry. And we'll be hearing from the wonderful Mr. Dallas in a few minutes. Meanwhile, I've been meeting with the equally inspiring Charlotte Donahue, whose company, Say It With Diamonds, has seen tremendous growth over the past few years selling jewellery. She and her business partner started with just £250 and are now turning in profits of £800,000. Their jewellery is in high demand, as are their bags. Once we ran out of bags and there was people boxing, literally boxing for these bags that was coming up to Christmas. And then God was our saviour up and after us and the shipment come and it was perfect. But there was like two days and we were like, we've got to get bags, we're sorry. And we'll be hearing from Charlotte and her amazing story a little later. But Mick, before we do that, tell us a little bit about our Baltic Triangle podcast sponsors. The Baltic Triangle podcast is powered by Talk Talk's Future Fibre, which has now arrived here in Liverpool. Future Fibre broadband is ultra fast and ultra reliable. And with speeds up to a whopping 900 megabit, it's fast enough to handle anything you throw at it. Plus, you can connect over 75 devices at once, so bye-bye fighting over the Wi-Fi. As if it couldn't get any better, Future Fibre plans now come with an Amazon Eero Mesh router, so you get the latest in Wi-Fi 6 tech for free. To see if your postcode can get Future Fibre, search TalkTalk Talk Future Fibre now. Well, Mark, you met the wonderful Garth Dallas. What a guy he is, isn't he? He's, a, he's larger than life in many ways. First of all, did he tell you how tall he was? Because he's a big guy, isn't he? He didn't tell me how tall he was, but he's a very big chap, as you say. Uh, I had a wonderful morning with Garth. Uh, he's a, a larger-than-life character, and uh, he's, he's got a fantastic uh, passion about what he's doing with the Good Business Festival mix. So it was an absolute pleasure to talk to him and sit with him. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's an inspiring guy, isn't he? I've heard him talk on a number of occasions about a whole range of subjects, and he ha he's had the audience transfixed. Indeed, Mick. So as I said, the Good Business Festival is all about business being a force for good in the community and placing people at the very heart of everything that business does. And I went along to Rodney Street to have a chat with Garth in his role as the Good Small Business Champion. I'm Garth Dallas and I'm the Head of Collaboration for the Good Business Festival. I'm particularly involved and I'm project managing the Good Small Business Programme. So Garth, what's the idea behind the Good Business Festival? The Good Business Festival could be interpreted in two ways. You know, it's just a good festival, or it could be about the fact that we, our main purpose is to focus on what could be described as a good business. 
And that description can be broken down into a business that is responsible, a business that looks after its people, and a business that looks after the planet. So we see ourselves as a platform, a global platform, a global movement around responsible business, business that is fit for the future. So why should I come along and what can I expect when I do come along? It's a very good question, especially now with the pandemic. The world has changed and business as usual is no longer sustainable. Any person who is interested in setting up a business or already have a business or want to scale their business up must understand how they can do that post-Brexit, post the pandemic and ensure that they put people at the center of their business. So you will be able to learn from national best practices, international best practices, and also local best practices. It's about getting businesses together to talk and to learn from each other as to how they can develop a responsible, sustainable business that is profitable but making sure that it's a business that looks after its people. And why is that important? Nowadays, consumers will look and make decisions as to which businesses they want to spend their money with based on the reputation of that company. So that's why you should be at the Good Business Festival to learn best practices and also to present your own best practice experience and share that with other businesses in your industry. Lots of businesses nowadays have used the pandemic and the aftermath of it to reconsider where their business is going, how it's going to grow, what's going to happen to it. Um, so this seems to me like the perfect time for them to come along and, 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 and engage with you. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. And, um, you know, all the various uh, metrics that are coming out now have shown that the businesses that have done well during the pandemic are the businesses that have looked at responsible business practices. Here's the thing. If you look after your people, they will look after your customers. If you look after your customers, you will look after your bottom line. So the pandemic has shown that we cannot no longer just do business as usual. We have to put people and our customers at the center of everything that we do. And the time is right because now businesses understand that they've got to open up their supply chain, for example, to ensure that the smaller businesses need to be part of their supply chain. So smaller businesses now have an opportunity to work with larger businesses who are now prepared knowing the problems they had during the pandemic to be more inclusive in the way that they do business. So it's a win-win for everyone and the Good Business Festival will set that platform for your business to learn, to share and also to move on as a legacy post the Good Business Festival. So the plans for the Good Business Festival have been disrupted a couple of times already, haven't they? Talk to me a little bit about the impact of, of COVID on the festival itself and, uh, and tell me about how exciting it is that we're back again, ready to go. 
The thing about business is that you can never underestimate the value or the power of having business people in the same room. You have to literally be in the room talking and learning from each other. So the pandemic, obviously, because of public health um, restrictions, meant that we couldn't have the festival in the way that we wanted, which is a multi-venue takeover of um, Liverpool city region venues because of the pandemic. Obviously, you know, restrictions and meeting up and all of that stuff, we had to um, postpone because we never saw ourselves as just something that, you know, is, is an online. Okay, we pivoted online in October 2020 and that worked really well. But our ambition was always to have that takeover of Liverpool's mass magnificent venues and to bring people into Liverpool to taste this city and all it has to offer in um, a business setting. So we really wanted to show the template for what a festival of business can look like and should look like, which is multi-venue, people getting together, and it's not just about, you know, the really hard stuff about business. You know, we will do, we always wanted to do this where we start in the morning with a bit of yoga. We, it's about people just coming together and truly having a festival. And in the evening, we'll have a gig and, uh, you know, people can relax and making sure that um, we truly enjoy business as a force for good. So it's important that we're in Liverpool, but this festival is much more about the wider city region as well, isn't it? Well, Liverpool city region is home to the festival. It's not just the city of Liverpool. What we really wanted to focus on is the fact that um, as a city region, there is a whole diverse range of people, diverse range of businesses, diverse range of industries. So the Liverpool Combine Authority is really the home of um, the Good Business Festival. So the reason why Liverpool is that you will see the diverse range of people and businesses across the whole city region. We're talking about St. Helens, we're talking about Halton, we're talking about um, over the Wirral, we're talking about Sefton. The idea is to showcase to the world what a beautiful devolved city region with great ambition to be the most connected city region in the country, the most equal and inclusive city region in the country. There are great ambitions for Liverpool city region and that's why it is so natural that such a festival should be in Liverpool city region. The social value and the social sectors in Liverpool are world leading just based on its dynamics and its DNA. And we want to showcase the fact that social value as a business asset can genuinely drive a city region's GVA and its growth. So maybe we could explore the nature of the multiple venue aspect of the festival. Where can we expect to see some of the events going on? Between March of 22nd and the 24th, the days of the festival, on day one, we will be having, uh, using the British music experience, 
and uh, Liverpool Town Hall because the first day is going to be done by the waterfront. We also have a hub, the business hub, which will be based in Omiomai. On the second day, we will be moving to the Liverpool Guild of Students, working with the University of Liverpool. We'll also be having um, sessions within uh, the Metropolitan Cathedral at Crypt Hall, and we'll also be using another venue for the hub, which is to be um, confirmed. And on the third day, we will be in the Baltic Triangle. We will be taking the festival into that area. And that day is going to be more around, you know, people engagement and cultural um, engagement within um, the Baltic Triangle. And we'll be taking over Kane's um, Brewery Village. And that's where we will be um, basing the festival on the third day in addition to that leading up to march uh 22nd to the 24th we'll be having um, events right across the boroughs so there'll be events in the Wirral, events in sefton and those will all be available um on the website for everyone to see exactly where those venues are across the city region it's obviously very important that liverpool city region is seen as a good place to do business in the future how important is it, do you think, that we have these kind of festivals here in this city region? Well, you know, um, Liverpool is a world-known brand. Even though we're talking about the city region, the brand Liverpool is known internationally. Liverpool has always been bold. During the pandemic, official records show that there were more businesses being set up in the Liverpool city region than anywhere else in the country. Liverpool is a progressive city. Liverpool is a city that notwithstanding whatever hurdles are put in its place, it will always look to revive itself. And that's why it has placed this great, bold ambition about business of the future, inclusivity. Liverpool has developed a fair employment chart. It's a progressive city that is looking to put business at the centre of its development. And those businesses are a combination of private sector businesses, social sector businesses, working with the anchor institutions, the universities, and all these great great, um, public procurement. Liverpool is bold and that's why this festival fits Liverpool's ambition. So Garth, is there any specific type of business sector that this festival is aimed at? I particularly want to encourage all businesses, whatever size, to see, to see that this festival is for them. So if you were asking me about um, specific industries, we'll be looking at manufacturing, construction and the built environment. We'll be looking at digital and creative, hospitality and leisure, hospitality which has been heavily affected by the pandemic. But we're looking to see what is the hospitality sector of the future and what can be done in that area. Administrative and support services, there are a lot of consultancies that may believe that a festival like this is not for them. It is for you because you have that 
power to ensure that businesses put people and HR management, human resource management at the centre of their business, retail and wholesale. What will the town centre look like going forward after the pandemic? What will the re- how will the retail sector survive with all the mass closures because people are now working from home and people are moving online to do their shopping online? personal services, hairdressers who normally would not consider that such a festival would be for them. I want this festival to be as relevant to a hairdresser in Speak as to a haulish company in Nosley as to a barber saloon on Lodge Lane in Toxet. The idea is for big businesses, small businesses, we are mirroring what goes on in Liverpool City Region because genuinely the ambition is for Liverpool City Region to be known as a good place to do business because our businesses are good. That's fantastic. So give me some idea of the sort of brands that are going to be represented at the festival, please. Right. A very good question. We've got, um, for example, on the first day, we'll be having Innocent, which is a great brand. The Open University will be here. Ocean Bottle will be here. The Climate Crisis Hub will be here. We'll also have Ellen MacArthur Foundation because we'll be looking at circular economy and how we can reduce waste from um, our uh, manufacturing processes, Taurus and Peel, Peel, um, as you know, has a lot of infrastructure in um, Liverpool City region. They'll be looking around the issue of um, responsible regeneration. And believe me, that will be some very thought-provoking sessions because we're not here necessarily to preach the converted. We want businesses to come and ask some of the real hard questions of some of these um, bigger businesses. On the second day, we'll be having the likes of Ipsos Mori, uh, Fashion Roundtable, Gogo, um, you know, some great brands there to talk about, you know, what are their experiences around responsible businesses? How can um, smaller businesses get access to their supply chain? So we'll have some big brands there as well, you know, Jack Land Rover and all these brands, you know, Everton in the community will be represented as well throughout the three days. That's just some of the brands, but there'll be many, many more. You can see them all on our website. You mentioned your website there. It's obviously the best place to go to to keep up to date on on who's going to be on and the agenda itself. Give us some idea of how people can do that. Give me some of the addresses that are involved with that. Right, the website is available at um, you know thegoodbusinessfestival.com. So www.thegoodbusinessfestival.com. All the information is there. You can also get your tickets from there. And the idea is that it's a it's a free festival. You don't have to pay to come to the festival. But at the same time, we're hoping that um, some of our businesses and some of you will want to uh, make a donation to some of the charitable causes that um, we're supporting are supporting us um, at the festival. So it's www.thegoodbusinessfestival.com. So watch this space. It sounds like it's going to be a fantastic event in the city. And uh, I'm, I'm, for one, I'm very excited about what you've got going on there. So well done you for coming back with uh, the passion that you showed two years ago. And uh, I wish you all the very best with it. 
Thank you very much. At the end of the day, you know, Liverpool, we never give up. And we genuinely believe that we had to deliver these three days and we will be doing them on March the 22nd to the 24th. Come along, join us at the Good Business Festival and be part of the movement that will develop your own business. Not just the business that you have now, but the business of the future. How will your business be ready and future fit? It will be explained to you at the Good Business Festival. That was the wonderful Garth Dallas there talking to Mark about the Good Business Festival, which gets off the ground from the 22nd to the 24th of March with a series of showcase events across the Liverpool City region, profiling what their website says are the troublemakers and trailblazers who are designing the future. Well worth going along, I'd have thought, Mark. Which category do you come in? Do you mind me asking? I'm, I'm probably more troublemaker than trailblazer, Mick, to be fair. Um, about yourself. Yeah, um, pass on both of them, I think. Um, anyway, Charlotte Donoghue is definitely a trailblazer. I quickly came to that conclusion after a fascinating chat with her about her company, Say It With Diamonds, which was set up a couple of years ago with her business partner, Steph Porter. The wonderfully named Say It With Diamonds is a company that sells a wide range of luxurious and bespoke jewellery online and from their shop in Liverpool City Centre. Charlotte and Steph started up their business selling just on Instagram in 2016. They've built up the business steadily and are now going great guns, turning over a profit after tax last year of nearly £800,000, double the previous year. Charlotte has always had an entrepreneurial spirit since she was a young teenager, as she told me recently. Started when I was younger, all my mates were getting jobs on the market at the time. The in thing to do was sell these DVDs that they probably shouldn't have been selling, so they were getting up and down. And I was like, Oh, let me, let me come, let me join in with that. So we did, but then this one day, please come. Well, I like, I'm not good with anything like that. And everything was like, Run, run. And I was like, Oh, geez, I've got to be joking. I am not doing this. It was Where selling, was this? It was on um, the Heritage Market. It was selling like counterfeit DVDs. And I was just like, Yeah, this is not me. So I thought, Okay, right, what can I do? I still want to do the market because it was the only thing you could do at that age. You, what age are you talking about? Four, 13, 14, because obviously you don't have your national insurance number and they just give you some money to work. So I said, okay, right, let's think what I can do. So I started, so I said to my dad, dad, can you help me set up like a market store? You work nights on the taxis. So I said, you can set it up when you're on your way home from work, you know, if you haven't had enough to do. And I'll get in the morning and I will sell pyjamas. So he was like, yeah, yeah, no bother. And he did. Oh, he's a little cutie, my dad's dad now, but that's that's that but he was just so nothing was an issue for him so I sat there one day selling kids pajamas and um, people used to come and they'd say oh and I'd just sit there and it'd be cold and I'd think I'd oh, just come and buy the whole store and then they'd come and they'd say what's the thousands like and I'd say well what size you need and they'd go like two to three and I'd go and say we didn't have a two to three and only had a one to two I'd go oh but these are really big get this or if it was say seven to eight and they said and they needed an answer you know i'd say oh they're really small and just whatever 
to just get the same and to get them gone. So that's where the first started. Then secondly, seconds after that, I had a little jobs in between. Then I'd done a beauty course in college. Then, I, so I thought, right, that's it. I'm not working for someone. I'm going to get a, a beauty shop, got a beauty shop. And then this one day, the hairdresser who was renting the chair off me didn't come in. And I like, I can just look at anything and I, I know what to do. I'm like, one of them, you only need to see it once and I'm a fully qualified, whatever it may be. Jackalology, <laughs> <laughs> master of none. And I thought, right, I can do that to them. I, I was tiered hairdresser then. Um, I got a candle business and then I remember and the, the video, remember the Vincent and exchange flags opened and I thought right I need to go and get my candles in there that's where everyone's going to be going it's exposure first of all I went to the candle supplier and it was like this really really good oil supplier and he was like yeah we're not taking no new customers on and I was like well you've got to you know I need, I need your oil and he was like what's your candle company called I didn't even have a name so I just sort of went because I always I used to always say fabulous 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 so I just sort of it rolled off my tongue I went to fabulous candles London and he was just like a sweet talk demand anyway ended up getting the contract with them to supply me oil so I've always had it in me to be doing bit some sort of business or other and what about saving diamonds? How did that happen? So, again, not too glam. It was just I had to do. I'd had that many attempts. I had something had to pay off and be super, super successful. Don't get me wrong. When the candles were going on, they were successful. But saving diamonds is super, super successful. So. Well, well, let's talk through that because I was yeah. looking at your company's figures. February two thousand and eighteen, overall uh, turnover was 29,000. Yeah. A year later, 23,000. And then February 2020, 347,000. And then the year later, 765. I know. How did you? What happened? What happened between, sorry, February 2019 and February 2020? Well, we went online. So we started off just very small, me and my business partner, we actually started off with £250 each, that was all. And we were crying about that, we were going, what? We've got to put that budget. So we put <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get new wages. <laughs> it was so funny. So we put, the, we put the money in and we just kept leaving the money in and letting it roll over and roll over. And selling all kinds of jewelry. Now, so at this time, we started with we ha we started the business with two hundred and fifty pounds each, five hundred pounds, and ten initial necklaces. So that's what we primarily done at first. And what were the necklaces made of? I mean, so did they, they have diamonds in it? Yeah, so they were made of eighteen karat gold. You got the initial of your loved one, or you yourself, or your daughter, or whatever your dog. We've had it all. You name it. We've had the initial of everything. The, the dead auntie, the dead uncle, the dead next door neighbour who they really got on with, they didn't complain when they had parties, I kid you not, <laughs> we've heard it all. And we got, so we got the popular letters, anyway, I put them on my own personal Instagram and now later they'd all gone. So we were like, oh, this is cool. So this was in the June, June 2016, then that's when it began and then we just began to build it up and build it up. But there was no risk in it because 
we would get an order and then we'd all we'd take a deposit and so we'd you didn't order. buy a load of stock no right, okay. and we still do to this day and that i feel that is the secret you know you look at some of your high-end jewelers i'm going to use cartier the they've got the best location in every in every area whether it's fifth avenue regent street oxford street whatever it is and all the money the insurance is just through the roof because you've got the guards on the door you need so many inch windows there's just so many you try and insure a 30 grand watch they want you jumping through hoops let alone hundreds and thousands of pounds of diamonds so we we never ever done this we were always made like a made towards the service now yes we have stock in and we do big and bulk orders but we still don't hold stock of diamonds and we just do it made to order and then that reflects in the price what we give our customer and where are the products made are they made so we, we've got suppliers all over the world right. diamonds all come from the same place so they all come from if they come from europe so they start in belgium berlin round that way now the americans get offered them first they take all the creme de la creme where do your diamonds stand on that so scale we we work to budget so you know we, we sort of go middle line we can get whatever you want if you want a flawless diamond go ahead and get a flawless diamond but to be genuine and this is what i tell my friends and i tell my customers the same who wants a flawless diamond unless you've got a little diamond cleaner in your pocket <laughs> no one i mean a person that yeah, can fully yeah. do it you're wasting your money like it's a little bit different if you're a multi-millionaire and you're going to De Beers and you're going to buy a flawless diamond and you're going to keep it in the safe and then you're going to save it for a rainy day but not to wear on your finger so we always recommend to our customers go in si1 clarity it's middle of the road we all, when we're when we're looking for stones for our customers we ask for eye clear and white they look sparkly that's all anybody wants any normal person because why would you just spend your life your life savings on a diamond which takes us into another little avenue we don't which is moissanite so people want the big look for less but they want to be dressing the kids in the best clothes or the best you know taking the kids on trips out a day a day out this day and age is 50 quid isn't it before you've even it's petrol everything's gone up so that's fine and taking that into consideration we designed a moissanite range so it looks like a diamond it's got all the same characteristics it's still as tough as a diamond but the price is so much cheaper yeah. and we found the last year the last year 18 months since we, since we started that it's really taken off because it's just what people want to pay along with everything else so, so so can i ask you like i've been on your website and obviously you can get diamonds there but you don't just sell diamonds do you i mean i saw something the other day 13 pound bracelet so you cover a wide range of jewelry but the the brand name saying with diamonds it's just fantastic yeah well, how did that come well, about Charles? The, the name is not bland it's just like the fabulous candles london i told you i was here yes it just rolls off the tongue but people would like carrying around your bag i would say we, we laugh we say the only ones people say we want them we want to say we're diamond bag like it's the end of the world once we ran out of bags and there was people boxing literally boxing for these bags that was coming up to christmas anyway god was our savior looking after us and the, the shipment come and it was perfect but there was like two days and we were like, we've got no bags, we're sorry. And they were like, 
Whoa, it's the bag. We need the bag. My daughter wants the bag. It's the only Christmas present she wants. And we were just like, was this in your cabin workshop? Yeah, that was at the cabin workshop. Thankfully now we're a lot more organised. We've got a team of 22 and we are absolutely fine. We project, we forecast and we are real, real business people now. But at first we were just winking it and we, we would never... So you're saying we do crazy and hand so That's what's different about us. Most jewellers stick to one thing. We do everything. We didn't say no to nobody. And most of your sales are done online now, aren't Yes. Although, although you do have shops. So back to the question of what was the difference. That's what it was. We didn't think we needed an online store. And then we few a few conversations with a few higher up, more experienced business people than us. They were like, what? You're not having an online store? Anyway, now we, are, we say now we're primarily e-commerce. And the shop is in Liverpool and it's just for vanity. So, where do you want to be in five years' time, do you reckon? Oh, my villain and I'd be there <laughs> with yeah. extra cold champagne. No, I'm going to joke Well, I'm not joking, but no. there as well. There for six months of the year. Now, every half term because skills are yeah. important for my little girl and my son who's on the way. Yeah. Um, so, five years' time, we are working on our Go National strategy. So, that's our Go National strategy is 10 regions, 10% of the revenue. So it'd be a bit overwhelming if I said, right, we've got to smash Glasgow, we've got to smash Edinburgh, we've got to smash all, all the other places. So we just say, you know, it's fine, it's easy. We just need 10% of the overall revenue in 10 different sure. regions. Right, right. Well, 10 different regions so whether that's glasgow birmingham newcastle london what well, we've already done we're already above where we need to be in london the same with liverpool the same with manchester we're nearly there with birmingham so we're on like nine percent birmingham so it's it's covered. so once birmingham hits 10 percent of your revenue then you open a shop there no we oh. don't open a shop we just maintain it online with all, all oh, the I stuff see. that we do online so we can see where all our customers are so we're just we're on a go national strategy at the minute to be as busy as we are in liverpool in all the other regions but liverpool is your only shop at the moment it is yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and are you likely to are you likely to create any more or are you going to move online? Well, think? we have just done a pop-up, a temporary pop-up shop in Liverpool One, which was great. But with shops and the way the high street is now, it's just not needed. Liverpool One, it's a lot more rent. So you need to just sit and weigh up the pros and cons. We're primarily e-commerce and we will not be putting, as far as I'm concerned, no more money into bricks and water. It will be to just grow the online. Because you did have a pop-up in Manchester, didn't you? In St. We did, yes. Now, again, me and Steph are very hands-on and we like to be involved. But our lives now have changed from 2016. Steph's got three children. I've got one, another one on the way. And for what's important to, I can only speak for myself personally, but I know Steph's the same is I want to be at pick-up every single day to get my daughter and I will for my son. And I want to be at every school play and I'm very fortunate we've worked that hard. Now we can. However, if we keep opening shops all around the city, that won't be the case. You will laugh one day when we were in Manchester. It used to rain there all the time. And we, no. 
What a personality, Mick. I'd, I'd heard about her from a mutual friend, and it's, you know, what, she, what you see is what you get. She's worked really, really hard for um, making that, that company such a success. And I think, as she said, and it's kind of obvious when you look back at it, but I, as she said in the interview, it was going online. Uh, rather than setting up shops here, there and everywhere that really set the company going. So good luck to her and Steph. I mean, an incredible success story when you think about it. Just you were saying the figures about the turnover and, and the profit and stuff. Um, what an achievement for her and, and, and that business to have done so well in, in, in a very, very challenging marketplace. Yeah. And having started off at the age of 14, selling jog pyjamas at the Heritage Market, you know, like, um, you know, good luck to her. Absolutely. Tell us a bit more about our sponsor for the episode, Mick. Today's episode of the Baltic Triangle podcast has been powered by Talk Talk's Future Fibre, the UK's fastest and most reliable broadband technology, which is now available here in Liverpool. Search Talk Talk Future Fibre to find out more. Excellent. Well, that's about it for us for this episode. Um, as ever, thank you so, so much for joining us. And uh, if you do have any suggestions for us, uh, we're always listening out for them. So if you do want to get in touch with us, do please drop us an email at info at baltictrianglepodcast.com. That's info at baltictrianglepodcast.com. And if you'd share this podcast with other people, that would be fantastic. And you can rate and review it as well. We've been going now for nearly three years. And we really love doing it, but we want to reach as many people as possible. So if you do that, we'd be really, really grateful. See you next month. All the very best and thanks for listening.